Hello and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast that explores compelling themes and some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Brittany. And I'm Chris. And this week we are looking at the theme of death in Harry Potter. So before we get into our episode, in place of asking ourselves a question, we are going to share one of our patrons' geeky facts. And this is a new patron. His name is Sam. And he's super awesome because he's in high school, yet he became one of our patrons. And that makes us so happy because how awesome is that? (laughs) I wasn't that awesome in high school, so you definitely weren't that awesome. I'm still not that awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So his geeky fact is perfect for our Harry Potter episode because he has read the seven Harry Potter books and The Cursed Child all 27 times each. That's a lot of times. That's a lot of times. That is. Not surprising that he is a Ravenclaw, Mm -hmm. (laughs) considering that he has read the books more times than years he's been alive, (laughs) which is amazing. Right. And kind of makes me be like, hmm, maybe he should be doing a podcast. (laughs) But yes. Thank you so much, Sam. We're really excited to have you in our community. Absolutely. Yay! (laughs) So we should probably get into our analysis proper. So we have a quote, and it comes from the 38th chapter, The Second War Begins, in the book The Order of the Phoenix. This is after Sirius has died, and they're back at Hogwarts. Ron and Hermione left the hospital wing completely cured three days before the end of term. Hermione showed signs of wanting to talk about Sirius, but Ron tended to make hushing noises every time she mentioned his name. Harry was not sure whether or not he wanted to talk about his godfather yet. His wishes varied with his mood. Yeah, I I liked this quote a lot because I think it shows how different people react to death and how people react to death differently at different times. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, I just loved that, you know, Hermione's like, I want to talk about this. Like, Mm -hmm. this is important. It's obviously affecting all of us, but especially Harry. And Ron's like, shh, don't talk about it. Which some people are like that around people Mm -hmm. who have have lost somebody. Like, ah, I don't know how to act, so let's just not talk about it. They probably don't want to. I don't want to make them feel vulnerable or whatever Mm -hmm. it is and then the person who's experiencing that mourning and that grief it's like do I want to talk about it with people do I not want to talk about it even like your closest friends even people who were there at the time and yeah I think that it does change with your mood yeah I also like it because I feel like it it does an interesting job of showing Ron and Hermione's reactions based on the kind of their characteristics, where Mm -hmm. Hermione not only is extremely emotionally intelligent, but she's also very curious, right? And so she wants to know things. She wants to know how Harry's doing. And Ron is very much that kind of, that loyalty being a part of him, or what they say is a part of him, uh, (laughs) is, you know, this is him trying to show his loyalty to Harry, that he is trying to, yeah, ensure that Harry doesn't feel uncomfortable or pushed into something that he's not willing to do, which... I certainly can can be at times, and I understand that that's not always the most helpful thing. Sometimes you need the Hermione asking the questions, but that also shows their own personalities in the ways that they're engaging with Harry and with this death. Yeah, for sure, because Hermione is 
always willing to try to do the difficult thing, mm-hmm. whereas Ron most of the time shies away from doing the difficult thing mm-hmm. in favor of being more comfortable or, yeah, not imposing on others. Totally. Yeah. Well, what character did you want to bring for discussion? It was so difficult for me to decide because <laughs> there were just too many characters I wanted to talk about. But in the end, I decided on Severus Snape. Okay. Because I was thinking about him and how much like death really surrounded his time at Hogwarts. So he starts Hogwarts. He's this kid. At some point, he's almost murdered by Sirius, right? Mm-hmm. And him basically weaponizing Lupin, mm-hmm. which is horrific, which is traumatizing. You're still a kid and somebody at the school is trying to murder you and they've been bullying you for years, right? And then he is working to become a Death Eater. And even that name has this almost like you are fueled by death, mm-hmm. right? And he's aspiring to these terrible things and changes his mind once Lily is going to be killed, right? And after she dies, that's what brings him back to Hogwarts because that's when Dumbledore gives him this opportunity and he then is there but basically spends the rest of his life grieving. Mm -hmm. And then... Always. Right, yeah. And then... Harry comes along and reminds him basically of all of these things every single day, Mm -hmm. which must be incredibly difficult. And then ultimately he dies there. I mean, not exactly there because it's in the Shrieking Jack, but like right around there. And yeah, there's just so much death and that he's been there most of his life. Not that he died at a very old age either, What he was probably... Not even 40. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought he's just surrounded by so much death. And then you have other things getting sprinkled in there as well, where he saves Harry from dying. Basically, from the beginning to end, he makes an unbreakable vow for Draco. And then he kills Dumbledore. The only person who really knew him. Right. Which is also just so tragic. And how much he hated doing that you know like harry saw on his face this hatred and like disgust which he felt was towards dumbledore but obviously it wasn't towards dumbledore it was towards what he was doing and And in some ways what dumbledore is making him do mm -hmm. but yeah and he does that to save harry to save the wizarding world and to save draco right Mm -hmm. and and then Ultimately, I think what is really interesting is his love for the dead. He continues to love Lily his entire life. And even though she died 16 years before, he still continues to love her. And that, you know, was like, oh, that's, that's a nice idea. But that type of idea really struck me when I was reading my one of my favorite books, which is Works of Love by Soren Kierkegaard. In that book, he talks about this idea of one of the most selfless acts of love is to love the dead because they can give you nothing in return and you just love them anyway. Mm -hmm. 
And that is exactly what he did. And even though he does a lot of things wrong and <laughs> it would probably be very hard to <laughs> be around him all the time or have a good relationship with him because of how much bitterness he has towards everything. And But there is still that, which I think is so compelling and which is, yeah, quite inspiring to spend so much of yourself loving someone who can give you nothing in return. Hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting because it's almost like he and Harry are inverses of each other, where they both are traumatized by these deaths. The death of Lily in particular for Snape, but, you know, that, that inciting incident traumatizes both of them and impacts their lives moving forward from there irrevocably. But while for Snape, it kind of helps inspire him in devoting his life into goals with Harry, when we see him really focus on the deaths of his parents, I usually see him be more unhealthy, more selfish, more rash, more inconsiderate, right? And, and I think his relationship with Snape is a really good example of that, where he defends his father despite not knowing his father because of just has this intense connection there. And yeah, so I think it's interesting how they both kind of are so affected by this death, but in such widely different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Snape is, to me, one of the most interesting characters. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it is very difficult for me to get over the constant abuse he puts on Harry and Neville and others, particularly as an educator myself. It, it just is really, really upsetting to me in a lot of ways. But I'm absolutely compelled by Snape's character, even yeah. if I am also disgusted by him in many ways. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, my most recent read-through, I was paying a little more attention to other teachers and how they interact with people because I was like, yeah, obviously Snape is the worst. Mm -hmm. I mean, no, there's Umbridge. Yes, Umbridge is bad. Also, fake <laughs> Moody literally uses illegal curses on people. Like... Yeah, there's, there's a lot going on there. <laughs> but... I was interested to see that there are times that McGonagall also tells students that they're idiots, you mm -hmm. know? And and she said, oh, she was so sad later and regretted having been unkind to Peter Pettigrew after, you know, she thought that he had died this tragic death. And so it's clear that she has that too. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Snape is worse than she is, but I'm like, is there just a different standard? Because none of this should be acceptable. Yeah, I think a lot of that also is just the the trappings of fiction and boarding school stories and things like that, where you have to have a villain, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and that, that things are, are exaggerated. But I also think it's probably the trappings of a book written 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, now if it is written today, I think it would be more specifically focused on ideas of abuse and things like that, that maybe weren't as much in the lexicon back then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True. Well, why don't we move on to your plot point? My plot point is going to be looking at the Deathly Hallows, and in particular, Harry's kind of inner monologue when he talks about how he has to make the decision between Hallows or Horcruxes. Mm. Because I think those are really, that's it's just a really good thematic representation of the two different concepts of death that are kind of ideologically on either side of this war, mm. right? Because we have Harry who is choosing between focusing on destroying the Horcruxes, 
which is a difficult, thankless job that can ultimately help people, and even if he doesn't know at this point, at least not consciously, through his sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Versus the Hallows, which are all about the idea of extending life, his ability to gain power. And he even says earlier on that the Hallow that he would have chosen is the Resurrection Stone. He would want to go after the Hallows for... Personal. Exactly. Yeah, personal and reasons. And certainly he is a personally giving person. So mm-hmm. when he does gain the Hallows, he does use them selflessly for the most part. But that decision is just such a crucial moment because it puts Harry on that path of, I'm going to do what needs to be done, even if it's hard, even if I don't understand what it entails, because this is for, not to use a problematic phrase, but for the greater good, <laughs> yeah. rather than for my personal good. And I just think that's very interesting because Dumbledore and Voldemort both have this kind of fascination with death or have had this fascination with death. Mm-hmm. And for Voldemort, it's the creation of these Horcruxes to protect him. And for Dumbledore, it's the finding of these hallows to, when he's young, empower him. And when he gets older, to kind of rectify his mistakes. So yeah, I just, I think it's an interesting, just a very direct representation of, I think, the way that death works as a theme in Harry Potter, where death, though, can be terrible, of course. The concept of trying to avoid death, I think, is one that is shown to be selfish and destructive when it comes at the cost of the rest of the world and being caring to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting because Voldemort, the Horcruxes for him are to run away from death. Mm-hmm. But with the story of the Deathly Hollows, not maybe necessarily the main message, but one of them is it's not about escaping death you welcome it not in some like overly morbid way but just no this isn't something i'm just running away from it's something that i accept at some point and certainly not about manipulating death Mm -hmm. it's not about trying to be the master of death and i also love in that story how the only character who has an ongoing healthy relationship with someone else is the brother who took the cloak who handed off to his son who uses this to protect others, even at the cost of himself once he reaches that point. And that he certainly doesn't want his son to die, and so he wants to protect that son. But I'm guessing it also includes the teaching of these lessons of what death means, whereas the other brothers were much more, as I said, destructive. Yeah, it's also kind of interesting from Harry's perspective. He's trying to prevent as many deaths as possible, Mm -hmm. right? And... There's two different modes of doing that for him. One is to seek power to try to prevent people from dying. And one is to try to undermine the power of others mm. that is killing and oppressing others. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that idea of strengthening your own power versus limiting the power of, of others is also something that we see being a problem in the Deathly Hallows because... For the first time, their goal is not about fighting the fight. It's avoiding the fight as they do this other task. And something that Ron, in most obvious case, but all of them have struggles with, where Harry, I think this decision, that's why this decision in particular is such a difficult decision for him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, what's your compelling question? For my 
compelling question. I was thinking about how oftentimes death is an event in a story mm-hmm. that, you know, and characters mourn, or it's at the end, so you barely see characters mourn. But I think Harry Potter deals with death in a little more in-depth ways. Mm-hmm. So my question is, where do you see the book showcase some of the complexities surrounding death? My question is very similar. Oh, good, because I have <laughs> at least nine things I wrote down to talk about <laughs> for this. So why don't you pose your question and then we'll just discuss. My, my question was essentially, where do you see death as shown as something that can be positive? Hmm. Well, but complex is probably a, a or nuance is a better, probably a better way of looking at that. So I guess since you posed it first, I can talk about some complexities. Because so, sure. the things that I was thinking about were, in particular, sacrifice. I think that the fact that the most powerful spell in the books is caused by someone giving up their life for someone else, mm-hmm. right? This protective barrier, which protects Harry for years, and then Harry uses to protect hundreds of people at the end of the books, I think is so powerful because it is this idea of welcoming death and choosing death and dying for a reason, saying that you will die if it will help others. Even if it helps others in a minuscule way, that's what you'll do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's what's one of your list of uh, complexities? Okay, so one of the complexities we were talking about a little bit already about people reacting to somebody who is experiencing the death of someone and after Sirius dies, also Harry has a conversation with Hagrid and he keeps trying to like steer the conversation away from talking about Sirius Mm. because he he doesn't want to talk about that right now. And Hagrid, you know, he's saying some things like he would have wanted to go this way fighting, not like stuck in some house. And he's like, he wouldn't have wanted to go at all, you Mm -hmm. know? And I think that that really demonstrates People will just say these platitudes when somebody dies, and it's just... I'm a person who does not like cliches in general, so it's, like, even worse when it's, like, about death Mm -hmm. and when somebody's grieving. And I understand it can be uncomfortable, and you can't... You don't always know what to say, and there isn't necessarily a right thing to say, and everybody's going to react differently. So... You try your best to be supportive, but I like that it showed that even when somebody's trying to be caring, it can make somebody feel worse and uh, make them feel more alone or like they can't talk with people about the situation because they're just going to try to make you feel better about it. But you don't have to feel better about it when somebody's died. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and look at Dumbledore's reaction where he's just like break more of my things you know like like (laughs) react the way that you need to react and I'm not going to fight you about that or try to calm you down or anything like that it's just this is where you're at and you've got every right to feel the way that you feel which I love but I also love that in that conversation he points out bad things about Sirius Mm -hmm. and Harry is all angry about it and frustrated like don't like talk about him that way and you don't know what he's been through and like so that means he deserved and he's like of course I'm not I'm not saying that he deserved it I'm just saying that this is the result of some of his actions and Mm -hmm. his choices that were unloving and I love that too because I think so often people when somebody dies they only want to talk about the good things and that's not a correct representation about who the person was 
And for me, and and this kind of goes, every so often we'll mention Ender's Game in some way or other, and uh, Speaker for the Dead, that's very much that idea. Is, you, know, you, you honor somebody by looking at their whole life and giving acknowledgement to that rather than only certain parts of it. And I love that, uh, that Dumbledore does that there. But it, it makes Harry feel uncomfortable because, no, he would rather just remember him as he's hurting about this as only the positive things mm-hmm. and kind of rewrite some of that, which, yeah, people tend to do in real life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Also, I love how Luna is the only one who actually makes Harry feel better. He remembers that she sees Thestrals as well. And she's like, yeah, my mom died when I was nine and it was quite horrible mm-hmm. and sometimes I'm still really sad about it and it just like this frank way of talking about it instead of like ah, I just feel better and you'll It'll get better with time exactly and she's just like sometimes I'm still really sad and this is what six years later or something mm-hmm. and yeah I really love that too yeah just the the complex ways of interacting with death also in general just the ways that the books show a huge variety of ways that you will feel after somebody dies. For example, Harry has a lot of guilt that he survived, right? And even though I don't have that experience personally, there are people in the world who they survived and someone didn't, whether it's a car accident, mm-hmm. whether it's a war, what you know, there's all sorts of cases where that would happen. So I'm really glad that they had that there. Can I jump in with one? Yeah, go for it. One that I was thinking was about the differences between Harry dealing with what happened to his parents and Neville dealing with what happened to his Mm -hmm. parents. Because both are awful, but both have things that, that maybe the other is envious of. Harry can see Neville interact with his parents, and they're at least there, and he has a relationship with them that Harry can't have. But Neville also can't just make this story of his parents. He can't remember his parents as they were when they were fighting Voldemort and members of Order of the Phoenix, right? He is going to constantly be reminded about where they are now. And that can be difficult in different ways. I don't think the book is trying to say, and I wouldn't say that, you know, it's easier or harder in either one or the other situations. But I think that it talking about complexities trauma can be complex in different ways. Mm, yeah. Also, another way I thought was really great is at Dumbledore's funeral. Harry is sitting there. He can't hear a lot of, you know, but he hears like these little phrases that are being thrown around. I'm like, you know, great wizard, his intellectual contributions and like these lofty praises. And he's just thinking about like those first four words, nitwit, blummer, oddment, tweak. And he just, he wants to laugh. And he's like, what's wrong with me? You know, these are the thought processes that are going through his mind. And I think that that's very very human and very realistic for yeah how people deal with death because sometimes you're just going to feel really sad and sometimes you're going to feel numb and sometimes you're going to want to laugh about something and you might want to laugh about something at a slightly awkward time and and that all of that is in the process of of mourning and so I love that that was included in the books too Mm -hmm. and I have two more when you learn new things about somebody after they have died. Mm -hmm. Because that happens not only with Dumbledore, but also with Snape. 
and how learning new information changes how you feel about that death, like, or, or does it? And how complicated that is because, and that strikes me even more recently because I had an experience where I thought that somebody was going to die and they ended up not dying and I ended up finding out a lot more information about this person that they had kept from me and the ways in which they had manipulated situations and then looking at <laughs> Dumbledore, I just, if this person had died and I had found out those things, mm. I don't know how that would have made me feel. It's almost like you feel bad being mad at someone who's dead, right? So yeah, it just makes it super complicated. And then on the flip side, you have Snape who has been terrible to Harry for years and then you find out that the only reason you're alive and all of your friends are saved is because of this person's courage and that they cared about your mother probably more than anybody ever did or would that complicates that too Mm. yeah and I mean you also look at the way that he learns about his father you know, yeah. and how mm-hmm. much that disturbs him, where he risks everything to talk to Lupin and Sirius about it because he just can't get out of his head this new information he has about someone who died at such a young age. Yeah, for sure. And lastly, I think just I'm so glad that they put in the the complication of lasting trauma mm-hmm. from death because you see that effect Harry so much and I mean other characters I think too Mm -hmm. but like even Sirius and how kind of tunneled visioned he gets for just being bent on revenge rather than it wasn't oh let me go find Harry and like reconnect it was like let me get to Pettigrew and kill him right and the first time I read the books when we got to Caps Lock Harry in book five, I was like, oh, but now I love that that part is in there and that you see his trauma coming yeah. out. And yeah, if I saw someone like murder right in front of me at age 14. Who was just there because someone was after you. Yeah. 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 And is was only there because you insisted that they come with you, like out of a gracious thing. Mm-hmm. But ugh. Yeah, the guilt. And and that's, I think, one of the other things is that in Harry Potter, there are so many people who die for others, you know? Mm. Uh, I mean, you could even say that Harry's parents only died because Voldemort was after Harry. And we see that Snape dies for Harry. Harry dies for everyone. Sirius dies because of a mistake Harry made. You know, Cedric dies because of a mistake Harry made. Like, all these things happen because... There's a target on some people's backs and other people get in the way. And Harry has to deal with the constant knowledge of these deaths for him. And I I think that that's also one of the reasons why he has his, like, saving people's think. He has it because his existence, his continued fight, has been made possible by the sacrifice of others, knowingly or unknowingly. Mm -hmm. And at least I know if I was in his shoes, I wouldn't be able to continue without knowing that I'm doing all that I can to ensure that that doesn't happen in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And back to your question, I think, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a 
positive aspect of people dying, but I think it's a beautiful aspect of death is to die for a cause. Mm. So much of our world is about self-preservation and safety and security and trying to have the best lives we individually can have. And for me, it's like intellectually, I think about life as it's just every next moment of like stepping out into the next moment and and to say it's okay if I don't have any other next moments because in this moment what I need to step into is to stand up for what's right and if that kills me then so be it Mm -hmm. and I think to me that's one of the most beautiful things in life and Harry Potter's filled with that too yeah yeah absolutely Well, we should probably move on to our missed opportunities. Yeah, I suppose. My missed opportunity is actually the impermanence of death in Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. Because I think that with death being such an important theme in the stories, they also are able to get around death in ways that you can't in real life. Where they have the resurrection stone. They have... You don't know. Maybe there is a resurrection stone. Why don't you go check every forest in Scotland? They have Dumbledore coming back or visiting him in King's Cross, at least, mm-hmm. right? And they have portraits. They have portraits, exactly. They have these ways of getting around the permanence of death, which I think is such an important part of death and is the reason why Voldemort fears it so much and Dumbledore regrets so much. And. Harry himself comes back to life, which is great when it comes to me cheering on Harry, but when it comes to his sacrifice, would it have been more powerful for Harry to have died and then for the narration to shift to Neville or Hermione or Ron and them dealing with... I mean, definitely should shift to Hermione. (laughs) (laughs) And them dealing with his sacrifice and trying to make way there with on their way afterwards what would it be like for harry to move forward without having the kind of closure he gets from dumbledore in some ways is cathartic to have a fantasy element that lets you gain the kind of closure you can never gain in real life but in other ways i think it also lessens the power of those messages when the existence of these magical workarounds makes them less permanent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I agree and I disagree. I agree in terms of like, well, why doesn't everybody just have themselves like painted into a portrait so at least like their family and friends can talk with sort mm-hmm. of them? Things like that. I'm like, Meh. I think it's interesting because like the resurrection stone, that's kind of the point. You want to bring this person back, but they don't actually come back. It's not real. It's that kind of like you dwell on dreams and forget to live. And ultimately, you know, the, that first brother killed himself. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting because you have Harry go to Sir Nicholas mm-hmm. after Sirius dies to ask him about becoming a ghost and maybe Sirius can come back and him being like, most people won't because this isn't a great existence either Mm -hmm. and i question whether i should have and it's probably better to move on and so i think it does bring 
that permanence to some of the characters and most of the characters who die, right? But I think for me, why I don't mind as much that like Harry comes back. <laughs> One, because I think it can make sense narratively, but I think also because this Christian background that I come from, it is this very like, it doesn't make the death any less meaningful because it wasn't, oh, I'm dying because I know I'm not gonna stay dead. Mm -hmm. Like it's just as powerful because the decision that Harry made was I'm gonna die. Mm -hmm. And I'll walk towards it anyway. But then death didn't have that kind of last word and and that, you know, something that couldn't happen happened in some act of love. So I don't know. I I find it not just a cop out. I find it more like thematically meaningful, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I, I don't find it a cop out. I just think that it, and I mean, this can be said of almost any genre fiction, by utilizing the fantastic elements of the genre to subvert what we understand is reality, it also takes away from some of the power of the things that we experience in reality, right? It will not be able to represent that in the same way that we exist, in, that we have it here, right? And that's true with superheroes, with science fiction, with all sorts of other kinds of things where they're living in fantastic realms and thus, they often are not a real representation of lives within our reality. I agree, but <laughs> I think for you to say the word reality is coming from a very specific perspective. Because there are people in our world that believe that they can talk to the dead and different things like that, right? So I don't want to invalidate their experience of life whether I believe that's true or not. Yeah, that's true. And that that's a good point. I don't, I don't want to say that these types of things are not part of anyone's cosmologies or, or that other people don't live their lives with these. I just know that certainly for me, I unfortunately have yet to be able to pick up a magic wand and <laughs> win Guardian Leviosa, the remote control to me. Oh, I'm sorry you're a muggle, but... That's true. <laughs> well, what's your missed opportunity? So... <laughs> My missed opportunity is weird sounding. <laughs> it's that I think more kids should have died at the Battle of Hogwarts. <laughs> Not because I want them to die, but just because... You need them to die. No, <laughs> not that either. Just to be realistic, there is no shield from the killing curse, right? Besides somebody jumping in front of you. So Death Eaters, you would think, would be using that in the Battle of Hogwarts, unless they had gotten specific instructions not to. So it would have needed to be qualified for why so not as many kids died as would be logical in a battle with people who are much older, much more experienced, using spells that you don't know even how to counter or can't counter and you have all of these magical creatures as well that you're not used to dealing with mm -hmm. so if they if they wanted to have in there that there was a little bit of humanity <laughs> left there where it's like uh they weren't sending the killing curses towards the kids because they just chose not to but they were towards like Lupin and Tonks or something mm -hmm. like that, then that would make sense to me. But without any of that ex explanation, it's just like, um, there's nine Weasleys and only one of them died. Like how, 
would that happen? How does Tonks die, who's a trained Auror, and all of these 17-year-olds are running around and don't? Mm. So that, to me, is a bit of a missed opportunity. And again, if they wanted to throw in that some of the adults died because they were defending the ones who couldn't fight as well or something like that, then again, that would make more sense to me. Mm -hmm. But just as is, they don't have enough training. Well, a good number of them were in the DA. Yeah, but still. Like, they learned some helpful skills. So, like, okay, Dementors, great. I would totally be like, yes, I'm there. (laughs) They can defend from those. But... I'm sure Snape is not the only person who knows spells like Sectum Sempra. And how would you defend from that? Like, do you need a special type of defense? Would it only be like a normal shield charm? Like, I don't know. And so, yeah, it just, it leaves a lot of questions. And I understand like narratively how it worked, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But I think even though it's really sad and it's, it would be completely tragic. And yeah, as we mentioned... Fred and Colin finding out that they died is so sad. And Lavender dies too. But the fact that all of Harry's door made it out of that fight, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. I, I feel like more minor characters probably should have died for the impact of, of the battle to be as grave as it should have been. Mm. So, yeah, I can understand that. All right, well, what about your takeaway? Well, you go first. The one thing that you mentioned that I never really spent time thinking about before was the term Death Eater Mm -hmm. and what that means. Like, to me, it's always just been like, oh, it's like a goofy villain group name. And I think probably I also always imagined it as having something to do with the masks. Mm -hmm. Like, they're Death Eaters, there's masks, there's the snake coming out of the mouth, like, there's all this sort of mouth stuff going on. (laughs) Uh, But your concept about them kind of, yeah, taking strength and nourishment from death is I think really interesting and so I guess I am interested in seeing more of where that symbolism comes into the books of how they are nourished by death or how they they feed off of feed it. off of death yeah mm-hmm. and what that means for them and for Voldemort so yeah I think that that's something that I'll definitely be taking away from this conversation yeah I hadn't really thought about it before either until I was like preparing for this episode Mm -hmm. and it was interesting to me because I was thinking about like with Draco right like he'll he'll talk about people dying like oh I hope it's Granger that that dies from the basilisk or whatever it is like he'll talk about these things like a lot and then when he comes face to face with death Mm. he is terrified by it and it kind of you know on this like death eater it sounds like oh yeah we feed off of this it's like so morbid and dark and it reminded me of this woman that i knew who i think it was in her early 30s she had gotten cancer and battled with it for a while and eventually she was able to have it go in remission but she had mentioned at one point that yeah when she sees like these kids walking around with like schools on their clothing or as a pattern and just this almost like glorification Mm. of it it like just really bothered her because she was like you don't know what it's like when you're staring this in the face Mm -hmm. that like this could be you you could die and so that was interesting idea to me that this kind of when you're removed from it it can seem so different than when it's like right there in front of you 
But in general, I think my takeaway is going to be that death can be so affecting for people and how they interact with everything. And I've experienced some deaths in my life, but haven't experienced it anywhere near what Harry had mm. at, at his age. My, my mother experienced some very devastating and traumatic deaths when she was young, and, and that, that has affected her in different ways of just how she thinks about things differently or how she, you know, has lived differently than I would necessarily. And so I think Harry Potter does show that in a lot of ways because, yeah, when you have characters like Snape where this death kind of defines the rest of his life, it's, for me, maybe a way to be more compassionate towards other people who have experienced things that I have not. And, yeah, just hold space for that. Hmm. Okay, yeah. That's good. Compassion's always a good thing. Yeah. Well, why don't you bring up what we'll be talking about next week? We are going to be looking at the theme of play. Play in Lord of the Rings. That'll be fun. Yeah. I feel like it'll be another Hobbit-heavy episode. They, they typically are, especially the lighter ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Well, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. You can find all of our links to our social media accounts in the show notes. You can go to our website at bit.ly slash geekbetweenthelines, or go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines to join our wonderful patrons who help to keep the show going. We want to thank Kimberly Taylor Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find her designs at lacelet.com or searching for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and until next week, geek, geek out! out.